This is a diet of Brussels. What's the red card procedure? Now, this is something which has uh, been uh, mentioned at several points during uh, David Cameron's renegotiation. It's included in Donald Tusk's uh, proposals to the European Council. Uh, and it's probably useful here to, to unpack this a bit more. I talked uh, about it briefly when I was uh, going through the, the proposals in general, but I think it deserves a bit more interest. The root of this idea really comes from a concern by national parliaments that they were being cut out of the European legislative process. Um, if you think about the way uh, decisions are made within countries, parliaments are central, that they are the place at which uh, elected representatives uh, express views, vote and reach uh, decisions. So the government uh, makes proposals, those are then uh, discussed and debated by the parliaments and uh, then implemented. Now in the European uh, legislative process, you do have a European parliament with uh, directly elected representatives, but that's a co-legislator with the Council of Ministers, which is made up of representatives of national governments. And as much as uh, the European Parliament has extended its powers, it can't unilaterally uh, make decisions without the approval of member states. So uh, for a long time there's been concern that uh, government ministers might uh, try and bypass national legislative processes by saying, well, I'll go and get a bit of European legislation on which I can uh, have much more influence, uh, and then come back and say, well, national parliament, you have to accept it because that's European law. So the idea has hung around for a long time about trying to bring in national parliaments. And uh, at one point, uh, well, originally the European parliament was made up of delegates from those national parliaments, so that there'd be that connection uh, there was an uh, idea at the time in Maastricht you might have a chamber that was made up of uh, national representatives, which uh, never really came to anything. Uh, but there are regular meetings of parliamentarians and attempts to be involved. Now, uh, what happened at the time of the Constitutional Treaty, the turn of millennium, uh, was an idea of a yellow card, that if enough... Uh, member state parliaments uh, raised a query, uh, a reasoned opinion about a piece of legislation that they would be able to force further discussion and some kind of consideration of uh, their concerns. And that came and went and eventually was incorporated in the Lisbon Treaty uh, in 2009. Now for a long time uh, there was a feeling that this was not really going to mean very much in practice, that national parliaments, uh, almost without exception, have struggled to cope with keeping track of what legislation comes in, let alone start uh, throwing their weight around and saying this is a problem and we have to stop. Um, in addition, the difficulties of coordination uh, are quite substantial. It's not enough for one parliament to have a problem. Uh, many parliaments need to do the same. Uh, and with that in mind, I think you know we we should be surprised that even uh, the number of occasions that the yellow card has been used, it, it's actually come to something. At the moment, that's only two cases. So the first one was in uh, 2012 when there was a piece of legislation that prompted uh, uh, a uh, set of uh, objections from national parliaments, and eventually led to that piece of legislation uh, being withdrawn. 
And since then, we've had one more case in 2013 uh, on a public prosecutor's office, which uh, led to some discussion and debate and to, to changes that were, were there. Now, that highlights that this is a possibility that something like this can work. And essentially, the red card mechanism is just a strengthening of the yellow card mechanism, saying uh, if enough member state parliaments, national parliaments, uh, object, that then there would be uh, the option to withdraw uh, a piece of legislation uh, semi-automatically, unless there could be some kind of uh, amendment uh, included, which is what uh, Donald Tusk is uh, suggesting now. Now, uh, that again still remains uh, somewhat uh, difficult uh, to make happen. There are probably only a handful of parliaments in the EU who actually have enough capacity to be able to really uh, make that happen on a regular basis. So the House of uh, Commons uh, uh, and the House of Lords here in the UK are very good examples. The Danish Folketing. Um, Apart from that, you know, we're looking then at uh, the French uh, Senate, uh, maybe the Swedish Parliament, uh, the Polish Siem. Uh, otherwise, we're, we're kind of lacking in parliaments that uh, are able to do this. So those are the ones who are going to be providing the leadership, who are going to be trying to bring together uh, coalitions uh, of uh, other parliaments in doing this. But it also uh, highlights uh, another particular issue. National governments typically depend on majorities within parliaments. Um, that's true for everywhere except uh, more presidential systems such as the uh, the French one. Now, uh, that means that if uh, you've got a majority of national parliaments that uh, object to a piece of legislation, then normally you'd expect that their national governments would have an objection, which means that you would also expect that uh, that piece of legislation uh, would already be running into difficulties and uh, uh, a need for at least amendments, if not being withdrawn completely, uh, in the Council of Ministers. So as much as we think of parliaments and governments as separate, most of the time in parliamentary systems, such as the UK, the two are actually still connected. So it's more about attention between uh, the back benches and uh, the uh, the front bench of uh, the government who will be drawn from that party or from those parties. So there remains a question mark about whether this is actually a very meaningful uh, process. Uh, the European Parliament, I think, has always expressed a degree of concern that potentially... Uh, the introduction of national parliaments makes it more difficult for them to uh, exercise their full rights. Um, and I think it's something which will continue to be much debated. So as much as it sounds like a fairly logical and uh, happy idea, there may be more difficulties ahead.